Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Well, that was a great time of worship. Thanks for being with us this morning. Good morning. If you are just tuning in, my name is Jason. And I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. And wherever you are watching from, uh, I hope you've been able to create space within your home, with, with your friends, with your family, to lean in with us this morning. We believe that there's something for us to discover together. Now, wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, uh, maybe you've never been to church, not so sure about God, not sure how God and church really fit into your life. My hope is that you find a safe place to ask important questions here at City Collective. Um, but this is a space where you feel like you can be open and honest. Now, this has been a fascinating week on, on a local and a global scale. The, the U.S. election, of course, taking place, continued fluctuations in the COVID reality of 2020. And it's a little colder, but uh, I imagine for many of you, there's also this feeling of, of exhaustion that might be setting in from uh, September restart and the underlying anxiety that we're all forced to confront. And we're all managing this together. And we've been walking through this series in the book of Exodus. And we began this series five weeks ago. And my heart for what we've walked through is, is to encounter the real experience of God's relationship with humanity and vice versa in the midst of wandering, the conflict, the, the, the craving, the commitment, and the conviction that we can discover. And, and just like in any relationship, we don't enter into it with, with no previous ideas or feelings. And perhaps this is what some of us need to hear this morning. That in order to step into all that is to come, we need to let go of what is or what was. I think you, you hear statements that are so often tied to what was. The, the good old days. Remember when this was good or right. And man, those were the good old days. But here's the thing. If you are constantly longing for the good old days, you don't really believe that the best is yet to come. Sometimes, in the seasons like the one we find ourselves in 2020, we need to have our expectation for the best is yet to come to be a driving force of positivity and strength for our mental, spiritual, and physical health. Not simply because 2020 has been bad, but because we believe that God is so good and we choose to place our trust in the God that is, that was, but will also forever be. So here in this last gathering around the book of Exodus, I want us to consider how the mindset of the moment influences our experience moving forward. To consider what it means to be drawn out like the people of Israel and to be drawn in. So let's read this morning. We're in Exodus chapter 40 with Hannah leading the way. Let's read together. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent as the Lord commanded him. He took the tablets of the covenant law and placed them in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, and put the atonement cover over it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the covenant law as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the table 
in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the curtain and set out the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord. Guess why? As the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent meeting in the front of the curtain and burned fragrance incense on it. As the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings, as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in, in it for washing, and Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all of the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all Israelites during all of their travels. As the Lord commanded. Fantastic. Thank you to Hannah for leading us in the scripture this morning. Show her some love in the comments for taking on that scripture on her own this week. <laughs> we, we find ourselves in this passage at the end of Exodus with the wandering people of Israel still discovering um, what it means to be in a relationship and to be led by God. God has now clearly laid out the manner in which he would be able to dwell with his people. The construction of this elaborate and ornate item called a tabernacle, specifically outlined, specifically constructed, and specifically given to be the place where heaven meets earth. And here's the thing. When something is done that is so specific as this, it is always compelled by more than a passing desire, but it's actually birthed out of a deep longing, a, a craving perhaps. We've been in the midst of this pandemic since March 15th here at City Collective. That's when we made the switch. And, and over that period of time, we have heard from so many families and individuals in our church of their experiences, things that they've learned, hobbies they've adopted, uh, how work has gone, our how you doing segment, letting us stay up to date with our church family, uh, what, pe what pets are doing, what family is doing. But one thing that is perhaps something that we have not shared is what I would like to coin COVID cravings. You know what I'm talking about. That salty snack that you just need to have on a random Thursday. It's not a cheat day. It's not a birthday. It's not a holiday. It's a Thursday. And that sweet treat that seems like it's the only way that you're going to be able to get on with it is to get it at the end of the meal. And, and this has gone to another level for those of us in our community who have the God-given gift of baking. And what a gift it is to craft that concoction that cures the craving in this COVID crisis. You make it, you bake it, you ice it, you taste it, and you know you have some amazing bakers and cooks watching this morning. Shout out to you. And I need you to inform me if I'm alone in this. Um, I have found a couple cookbooks. Actually, 
Adriana has found a couple cookbooks to be helpful in this time because uh, we've tried a bunch of recipes and is it just me, but a dish that is really good somewhere else can reach another level when it has that home cooked charm attached to it. You put all the elements in place, you smell it, you see it coming together, you wait upon it, and the minute it's done, you don't even wanna let it cool down, you just wanna pounce on it and enjoy it. This eagerness overwhelms your senses and your intentions, and man, I know I feel that way around some good old home cooking. But as this journey ends, one of wandering and wilderness and walking through the desert, this sense of eagerness is what kind of leaps off the page to me. God has been at work. He's set the ingredients in place. He's provided the instructions, has seen it come together, and eagerly is now waiting for the the glory of God to now occupy the tabernacle. Let's look at what it says at the words of uh, verse 33 into 34. It says, So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And and here, in the English translation, in the ESV, or you can even look at it in the NIV, you see this word, then. And it's included, but... In the Hebrew, there's, there's an even greater, even greater sense of urgency that's in the text that we don't really see in this English translation. And in many ways, it reads perhaps more accurately. So Moses finished the work. The cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You see what happened there? There's no then. <laughs> Instead, there's just this urgency, this promptness, this eagerness from God to be with his people. God was ready to pounce on it. God is eager to fulfill his covenant promises. God is eager, not in an anxious way, but in a joyful way. And if we were to use some of our imagination in this moment, I want you to be there with me. I want you to think to yourself how this scene is playing out, that the God of the universe is so eagerly craving to dwell among his people. God is watching them and and, and he's seeing them obey and and build their tabernacle. Ooh, there's the basin that they have put in the right spot, just like I said. And, and now here comes the screen, and boom! And he's, he's eager to dwell among his people. He's happy to do it. And find even, I find this even notion to be a powerful one because to think to yourself how it makes you feel when you know that someone that you admire, someone that you love, someone that you adore, someone that you appreciate is really eager to be with you. How does that shift your feeling in a moment, your experience of a situation, a best friend, a family member, a a puppy. Now, doesn't that make you feel something? Loved, seen, appreciated. And this is the God of the universe exhibiting that feeling towards his people. And this morning, he wants you to know he is eager to be with you. Like He just can't wait to get in there with his people. Now think about how you consider God. 
Think about how you tend to think about God. And most of us think of God as someone that is perhaps actively avoiding us, as if a strained relationship, whereas there's this passive-aggressive feeling that they don't want to be around you because you've done something wrong, but they don't want to talk about it. This is kind of our experience sometimes in our moments of, of spirituality or experience with God. But God wants to get right in there with you. This is the eagerness of God to step into the brokenness of your life and my life and to heal and to fix and to bring joy and peace. This eagerness is here in Exodus 40, slamming into the tabernacle. The second it is completed, God is eager. He longs and we shouldn't be surprised by this because at every point in our story, it is God who initiates. It is God who comes towards us. It is God who rescues. It is God who saves. It is God who delivers. God who forgives. God who extends mercy. God who provides for us. God is ours and we are his. As we've talked through Exodus, we have seen the people of Israel wander uh, physically and, and wander spiritually. They've lost this idea that they're his wander in their understanding and wander in their security. And I know that for, for Adriana and I and for many that I've talked to, that the monotony of this past season, the anxiety of this past season, has devolved our feelings into this internal state of wandering, a lack of security, a lack of consistency, a lack of purpose. And soon the days just roll over each other and I have done nothing to fix my attention in the right direction and I find wandering to be my default reality. Have you found yourself in a place like this over this pandemic? What I've noticed for myself is that I begin to sometimes crave, like we were talking about a time that was. I begin to look eagerly toward returning to what was or the rhythms that were once normal. And much like God here in the tabernacle, we leap toward the things that we crave. And perhaps this morning you don't know exactly what you crave because you haven't paid close enough attention to what you leap towards. Do we leap towards an opportunity for companionship? Value success to be right, to be seen, and influence, to be justified, to, to find compliments, to go backwards. What do you leap towards? Because I would contend this morning that the areas in your life that you naturally run to and leap towards are actually the things that you crave. Now, now hear me, craving is not bad. Craving is not wrong. What you do to fulfill those cravings though is the deeper question. And here's what I found that if we are not under the renewing power of God, we so easily slip into a kind of post-truth. And this isn't a political statement, it's too easy to, to, to dismiss this idea if it were such. But hear this as a reality of our current cultural environment. Conservative, liberal, socialist, capitalist, it doesn't matter. We are all malleable and we become like our surroundings. All of us take on our surroundings unless there is an intervention and we all desperately need an intervention for that which we fulfill our cravings because sometimes it is not healthy where we are going to. And I feel this personally. I feel the gravitational pull in my soul to sometimes become like my surroundings. I always, always have. Born and raised in Calgary and Alberta, now living here in the Lower Mainland, I have been shifted by my surroundings. 
And we do this without even thinking and we normalize it and we justify it. And because everyone else is craving something, we simply assume that it is what we should crave as well. If every time I, uh, I wanted to feel happy, I went to the grocery store and I just bought myself a tray of cinnamon buns, that would have a very significant impact upon my health and upon my life. Maybe once in a while it can happen and I would survive, but this is also what I've learned about cravings in our own household. That once they are fulfilled with something, we are creatures of habit who consistently go back to the well that once quenched our thirst. Lisa Turkhurst, she writes this. She says, God made us to crave, to desire eagerly, to want greatly and to long for him. But Satan wants to do everything possible to replace our craving for God with something else. Now, you might be saying, what does it mean to, to crave God? Because I sure don't want to be just prone on my face, praying all the time, thinking about God, or reading the Bible 24 hours a day, or whatever you internally categorize or characterize as craving God. But we must understand that God craves to be with us, not simply because he likes the company, but because when we are in the presence of God, we start to move towards the fullness of who God has made us to be. There's purpose in the craving. Uh, A.W. Tozer, he writes that God wills that we should push into his presence and live our whole life there. This is to be known to us in our conscious experience. It's to be more than a doctrine to be held. It's a life to be enjoyed every moment of every day. To, to crave the presence of God is to learn to crave the, the kingdom of God. And to crave the kingdom of God is to crave the things that God wishes to set place throughout our world. Reconciliation, healing, genuine empathy, sacrificial generosity, caring for the poor and the hunger, humility and laughter and joy and so much more. But the things that don't always come naturally to us become our priorities when our cravings are turned outward to the heart of God instead of inward to our self-fulfillment. We've got to change our direction of our intention. This is the future that Exodus is pointing to. This is what God is trying to set in motion. Now, this is a really interesting thought. I wanted to tease your brains this morning that this idea of the future to come, and there's so many conspiracy theories around it, and there's references in the Bible that have been thrown around. And I don't want to make any theological jabs this morning, but let's just say that I don't fall into the camp that believes in a left behind rapture, beam me up Scotty, biblically conversation that people have. I just don't believe it's biblically accurate. And I think it runs in opposition to what I see is taking place in the book of Exodus. Now to think about the future in our current culture is an earth without heaven. That we live in a day, age, day and age where there is a dominant thought that we carry, that we should eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. 
You better get yours now because that's all there really is. And if there is an afterlight, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. But by and large, people live as though the greater good, as though duty doesn't matter, and they should just do what works for them in the moment. That their thought towards the future impacts the way they live in the present. Mark Sayers, he has this fascinating study tracking the rise of understanding how our individual rights and the in turn, the decline of our idea of duty as a society. That the more and more we think that life is all about us, the more and more the idea of duty and sacrifice vanishes. And this is the pull of the day to do what you want right now. Forget the cost because this is all you've got. So don't worry about anyone else or anything else because this is all you've got. Don't say no to those impulses because it's your life. If there's a theme song to the idea of what we should be living for and looking forward today, it is Bon Jovi's It's My Life. In the end, the most obvious problem with radical individualism is how we stress my right and my preferences, and it overshadows my responsibility for the common good. And what I think we see in the book of Exodus, and I would argue the Bible as a whole, is the opposite, is the future of God establishing heaven on earth. And this is the future that God is pointing to in Exodus. This is what the tabernacle and the presence of God communicates. This picture of the tabernacle that we've read about, that God spends significant time outlining and crafting, is tied back to the very beginning. This picture of where in the Garden of Eden, God has a direct relationship with humanity, where creation and purpose and care are all tied together. God created everything good and right and beautiful, and then sin comes in and fractures it. And sin in the biblical understanding is at its root something that which creates separation between us and God. But God, in his great love for you and I, came into the midst of a fractured world and he begins to to re-Edenize, to restore the world to its original intent and image. So everything in the tabernacle is meant to communicate that God is bringing us back to the beauty of life as he designed it to be. A moment of heaven on earth. That's what the tabernacle communicates. And when we believe and embrace a future where God is making all things new and re-Edenizing the earth, that actually moves us towards real practical obediences that make a massive difference when it comes to both the definition of human flourishing and the actual flourishing of humans on earth. If we believe that God is making heaven on earth, that God is looking to establish heaven on earth. That means creativity and beauty, they matter. It means that they matter to God and therefore they matter to us. Beautiful sunsets, awe-inspiring mountains. We're blessed out here in the lower mainland to live where we do, where ocean and mountains are right there for us to behold on the daily. Why would God not want to restore the earth in this heavenly image that he'd set from the beginning? God's glory is shown across all of creation, his creativity, his brilliance, his beauty. So if you would claim to be a follower of Jesus, this is the story of the Bible all around us. Restoration that we are invited to enjoy and participate in.
We should love creativity and art. We should love beautiful things. We should cultivate it. We should give ourselves to all these areas and, and more than that because we believe that in heaven on earth is the kind of picture that God is putting in place. The picture of where God is leading the world is one which speaks of the eagerness of his heart to be in relationship with his people and to restore all creation to its original intent. And this is what it means for you and I to be eager. And if I believe that God is leading me there, here's the beautiful thing. I can lament what is here. That this is not the world that God created it to be. The things that have been broken, the fact that injustice is alive, that families are hurting, that basic needs are not met, and power seems to be the continual pursuit of our, our, our society at whatever cost. As followers of Jesus, our heart should break so that we don't just sit aware of injustice, but are moving towards fighting it. And if God is re-Edenizing the world, he's desiring for a physical restoration, but also relational restoration. And in turn, we should be compelled to share the gospel to all in word and in action. God has a heart to make all things new around us, within us, between us. It all matters to God. And he wants the eagerness of our heart to align with the values of the kingdom. And how do I act in a way that's reflective of God's heart? Well, I look not to do the right thing but I look to build the kingdom that Jesus outlines. Yes, the gospel is personal. It's, it's me being saved as an individual by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. But the gospel is also bigger than that. The gospel is the people of God pushing back darkness as they are salt and light to the world around them. This is what God is doing in establishing a relationship with his people, not just to be with them, but to move them forward. I want us as a church to be eager in the ways of Jesus so that we live out all the implications of the gospel where we care and fight for diversity in our communities, where we really care about the poor, where we use our influence and use our money and use our man hours to dwell among and serve the least of these and have a sense of justice and, and righteousness overwhelm our hearts to crave the things of God is to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, giving up our personal preference for the greater good that God is setting into motion when we turn our minds our lives in such a way to align with the greater story that God is telling in the world, transformation doesn't become our responsibility. Just submission is. Submitting my mind, my strength, my life, my family, knowing that, that God does the work, that God brings transformation. And it is this beautiful relationship where we show up and God does the work, and we give ourselves to the practices of God, the practices of being like Jesus. And perhaps that's where we need to start with our cravings this morning. Where in your week are your cravings leading you to a selfish response rather than a Jesus response? Where in your week are your cravings building habits of self-fulfillment instead of sacrificial generosity? Where in your week are you aligning your mind so that your cravings help you at the cost of others? The tabernacle was where heaven was meeting earth. And now through Jesus, 
You and I are the vessel through which God wishes to bring heaven to earth, to shape and transform our world into the image it was always intended to be. We need a crave in the right direction. So reflect today. Identify your cravings and look to fulfill them in a new way that's actually for others, from a place of generosity and for a relationship with God. I know I need to have a reflection upon my own life this week. How are the cravings of my heart leading me towards the way of Jesus or away? And do I really understand the eagerness in which God desires to have a presence in my life? Let's pray together. So Father, we give you thanks that through this journey of Exodus, we've seen how you are gracious, full of love, so full of the truth and leading us towards a life that is more than simply for ourselves. That there's a greater purpose, a greater calling that you desire to be with us, that that eagerness that you show the people of Israel when you come upon that tabernacle is the same eagerness that brought Jesus here to us, that, that, that started to change the world, that is now wanting to change our lives and the lives around us. Thank you that we can be together in this online space and be encountered by that same presence. I pray this morning that you would confront us in the areas of our unhealthy fulfillment of craving. That craving is not wrong, but what are the ways in which we are fulfilling it that we need to be held accountable for and to repent for and turn around, to shift it. Give us the courage this morning to be honest, to confront our selfish nature and to look forward into what sacrificial generosity, what an outward perspective could actually do to our lives personally, to our families, and to our businesses, to our workplaces, to our church. We believe right now that you're doing something new within each and every single one of us. Thank you that the invitation is there this morning. For those who are listening that don't know you, I pray that there is just a willingness within their hearts to Ask the question, who are you, God? Would you come into my life? And that you would begin to shape them in a new way. We're so grateful to be part of the plan that you have for restoring our world. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for a Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.